Defenders podcast, the fan podcast about the Marvel Netflix series. I'm Claire. I'm Tammy. And I'm Mel. And I'm Mel. And we we are I'm Matt and Amel down um, because those two slow coaches did not get out of bed in time. In in Canada, just Canada, slower way of life, I guess, in all aspects. I don't know. So we got another Matt in. We couldn't find a melon time, but we've got uh, Matt A as well today as our special yeah. guest. Yay, Hi. welcome. Thanks. Welcome. Uh, hopefully Matt and Mel will be joining us at some point. But, you know, it's a long trek up from, from Canada to Harlem or down to Harlem so I don't know when they're gonna gonna get here to Tammy's little Harlem apartment where we obviously record <laughs> boo oh they're actually here oh, now they're here. oh hey whoa hey <laughs> uh, I'm here I have to go get Mel just a sec <laughs> false alarm we already they, have a Matt we needed a Mel yeah there can't be two Matts in the same place like like space and time will not allow it <laughs> all right now I'm back she's go. coming yeah. hi guys Good morning. Hi. Sorry. About that. <laughs> it's all right. We thought you were maybe I... like late because you were making an elaborate breakfast. Well, well we... that, but that. <laughs> Matt, thought, Matt thought Matt thought it was uh, at twelve thirty. Well, our time. Yeah, eleven thirty Eastern. I thought. Yeah. So for some reason. Yeah. I guess I just looked at the. <laughs> Too many times. I guess. I know. <laughs> I took Matt's word for it. Never again. Don't believe a word he says. <laughs> Um, so I should ask other Matt, Matt A, uh, welcome back, sir. You've been on the podcast before. That's not a question. A couple times. I, I'm going to do a question. That is not a question. Okay. <laughs> here is a question. Leading up to it. <laughs> here, here is my question. Have you seen all the episodes of Luke Cage, or are you watching along with the show? Question mark. Uh, I have only seen up to episode three, but Ooh. once we're done recording, then I will be proceeding. No, <laughs> are you going to watch all of them? <laughs> yeah. Don't do that, it. That's why it's good having this, an early episode. You need this slow torture like us. <laughs> I know. No, I don't think the show benefits from going slower. <laughs> but I watch some of it. My like, enjoyment quickly. will go up if I watch it uh, in more rapid succession. <laughs> Fair enough. Is your enjoyment not, not high right now? It wasn't high after this one, no. Ooh. After this one? Yeah. Hmm. Opinion spoilers. Spoilers for my rating later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see stay tuned find out um <laughs> maybe this had, is a red herring it could be a foiler could be i don't know we'll have to wait and see i got a little bit of news this week um only a little bit though but not so much relating to like uh the netflix shows apart from the fact that there have been some set photos published of the punisher show and frank castle John Bernthal is back to having his Frank Castle haircut from Daredevil Season 2. That's some fun news. Yeah. <laughs> that just means the, like, the, like, the military cut, basically? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There we go. Um, Sorry. Have we already done the introduction and I just missed on it? Yeah. Or why, yeah. Okay. No. You guys slipped <laughs> through it. Should have been here. Yeah. You're going to have right. to listen to the episode to find out all the, all the shit we said about you. Oh, all right. I have to say, once I heard that Iron Fist is supposed to be lighter in tone, I was very excited. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. really looking forward to that show. But it's kind of hard because, like, Iron Fist has, like, really sad origin. Like, you know, I mean, it's like a typical Marvel character. It's like, oh, 
you know like every marvel superhero has like the loss of one or both parents you know and horrible circumstances and all that so i don't know how they're going to make it, it kind of fun <laughs> like light-hearted but um the lighter tone as well i'm kind of have a, a parent loss and they're fun <laughs> and or true kids being orphaned kids being orphaned is such a cliched like uh, <laughs> origin story like i've played i've played rpgs before and like <laughs> the people running them are like no orphans <laughs> like, write a damn back write an actual damn backstory for your character no cheating <laughs> oh my parents are dead <laughs> yeah i'm an orphan like every single <laughs> disney princess pretty much ever well most of them yeah. Uh, talking of the Punisher as well, um, sad news this week. Steve Dillon passed away, and that's really sad. Um, he was a uh, comic book illustrator, most famous for his work on uh, Preacher, um, but also his work on the Punisher as well. So I th- because he worked on the Punisher, I thought I'd mention it. It's very sad. Um, and apparently, um, Christos Gage said on Twitter that his um, his work on Punisher had a big influence on season one of daredevil so they were obviously big fans of his work did it was the cause of death i pretty young didn't actually say i haven't looked too much into i've only seen articles just well i think it was his brother that announced uh or confirmed that he'd he'd passed away but i don't i didn't see anything in the article that said why like the reasons um if i find out anything i'll let you guys know but i'm sure it's it will be somewhere on facebook um, in more positive news, um, there's been positive feedback from the Doctor Strange press screening. Um, I've not really read any spoilers or anything, but I've also seen things on like um, other sites saying it's uh, officially a flop. But I don't know how they can tell that if it hasn't come out yet. So I don't know. Enthusiastic press screenings, but people are saying, oh, it's going to fail. But, and I don't know why. Um, what's, and the Marvel, what's the last Marvel movie that was critically derided? Like Iron Man 2? Yeah, maybe Thor 2 it wasn't critically derided but it wasn't a big hit mm. maybe um, Iron Man 2 yeah I think Iron Man 2 is like the biggest seen as the biggest failure out of all of the Marvel films um, mm. I don't know but a lot of uh, the things as well I've seen about oh. Doctor Strange of, of people saying oh it's such no. a, a, a cliched origin like it's such a, a cliched story like of him becoming Doctor Strange and it's like it's an origin movie you know it's there's only so much they can kind of do with it um you're going to have certain beats that the story's going to hit when you're doing an origin story was he an orphan also <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know if there's a par in Mars strange <laughs> i don't know that much about doctor strange i know that um john over at defenders tv podcast would know because he's a super doctor strange fan so he can he can uh, educate us about the character um and in the last bit of news, I have done two interviews in the past week. I've been very busy. Um, one of them has been released. I uh, interviewed Lauren Weeks, who's the production designer for all the Marvel Netflix shows. That was an awesome interview. Um, he was really, really generous with his time. They're very busy at the moment because I believe they start um, officially shooting uh, Defenders in a few weeks. So obviously they're doing a lot of prep work at the moment. Um, but a really, really interesting interview. If you guys want to hear that, that has been released. And then one that will be released in the next few days when I've edited it is um, one I did last night. And that was with Warner Joseph Miller, who played Tone, who we saw his body <laughs> lying under a sheet in this episode <laughs> for this week. Um, and again, that was a really fun, uh, fun interview. We talked about a lot of different stuff, uh, not just um, Luke Cage. Did so, you ask him if go. he got to lie under the sheet? 
no, I forgot because I, I forgot he actually appeared. Because we were basically saying, well, you don't see Tone's body. He could come back. And then I watched this episode and I was like, oh, well, you kind of do. But I'm still going to maintain that when they say make this body disappear, they could have like shipped it off to some lab and like brought him back to life and he could still come back as a villain. So, you know, we didn't see him buried or anything. Let's see. Is there a villain that you have in mind? No. <laughs> I think no, which, okay. I think the I think the Warner did though. I think he had a villain in mind that he wanted which, to come back. Yeah, as. I can't think of any walking corpse uh, Marvel villains. I don't know. I don't know. I have to have a think. So <laughs> I think he needs to come back as some kind of villain. Turk needs to come back as Stiltman. Uh, hmm. Jack Murdoch needs to come back as uh, Bullseye, <laughs> as we've we've said before. Um, There's anyway. only one Stiltman, and he's. Pruitt Taylor Vince from the X-Files. <laughs> from that creepy, creepy X-Files episode that I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> that's the news for this. That episode was t- creepy. Um, that's all the news for this week, guys. Are you ready to get into the episode? Yes. Cool. So this is episode three, um, Who's Gonna Take the Weight? Written by Matt Owens, directed by Guillermo Navarro. Um, the little quick synopsis is in the aftermath of a chaotic event at a favorite Harlem hangout, Luke heeds the call to action and hits Cottonmouth where he'll feel it the most. Uh, did you guys have any hits on your bingo card this week? Your Luke Cage bingo card? I forgot to actually look at mine. I didn't look at mine either. Oh, slacker. <laughs> slacker McGee. <laughs> I might, I might bring it up during the episode and have a look and, uh, see if it hit any during this episode. We got, we almost got a sweet Christmas, but not quite. Uh, yeah, right. what what was that about? Has he ever said that before? I have no idea because I when I watched the episode the first time when he said sweet, I really thought we were gonna get sweet Christmas, and then he was like sweet sister, and I was like, what? what? I think they're just teasing us. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We we'll have to see. It's very odd. It was it was very odd. So we start off the episode as they say in media res. Is that it? Yeah, in the middle of the story. Uh, at Christmas attics with a sofa being thrown through the window and Luke leaving with a bag of money and then um, some awesome music kicks in. That's uh, a pretty cool I, start. I was like, but then it was confusing because last ep- it was a continuation <laughs> yeah. last episode, but then they were like earlier that morning right after and I was like, what is going on? Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes it look like he just went into there and like that's when he went in, but obviously it's not. Because he yeah. watched Christmas Attics, then went home, then all this stuff happened, and then went and got the money. But yeah, it's kind of like it started. I don't know. It was a so bit threw see, me a bit. I can see why Matt A wants to watch binge watch this because <laughs> I feel like it would benefit from binge watching this show particularly. Mm. Yeah, because I, I too, I was like very confused as to what happened, and then I was like, I wonder how many times we're gonna get like the end of the episode first. Yeah, I wish I could tell you guys, but I honestly, I honestly can't remember. And Mel, Mel, <laughs> Mel completely forgot who Domingo was. Yeah, I was like, oh, look at this little, like, little greasy-haired guy. I was like, oh my gosh, he's got so much greasy hair. And then Mel's like, this character was here before. I was like, no. <laughs> one was like, I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember either. I watched the first two episodes like weeks ago and then had to wait and wait and wait to watch this one. And I've forgotten oh, some stuff. What a hard life. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And we made yeah. you get up early today to record. <laughs> 
Yeah, it turns out I could have slept in a little bit. Oh. Just a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Don't worry. We had a, a lot of time to uh, chat about you guys, Matt and Mel. You know, we were, there was all kinds of things we, we learnt about you guys. Oh, we said some stuff. Yeah, we really oh. did. I'm sure it was all good because you guys are our best friends and you love us, right? <laughs> we love you guys. Uh, so we cut back to earlier in that day and Cottonmouth is watching the news. We get another appearance of Megan McLaren, who is the uh, reporter who keeps popping up. Um, Cottonmouth has an awesome television and I want it. It yeah. like, kind of comes out of his wall. I was like, oh, I want yeah. one. Nice space-saving, uh, space-saving TV there. Like um, a super villain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He needs to come out of his floor or something, like massive TV. Be great. Um, meanwhile, while this is happening, Luke wakes up and sees Connie in the restaurant uh, looking at her bills and we see the, her windows are all boarded up, you know, but it says they're open for business still from when Luke threw the guys through the window. Really didn't need to do that, Luke. Just saying. Could have, like, picked them up and taken them outside gently and then placed them on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Or just, you know... Take out the trash like a proper gentleman, you know? <laughs> exactly. Or just pick each one up and, like, lift him over your head and then drop him on the floor where he was standing. <laughs> like, just... He just goes around the room picking up each person and dropping them, like, right down on the floor. breaking the tile. <laughs> Skipping oh, ahead, my favorite part about this episode was when Luke was in the hallway and he gently lifted a person into the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's quite cool when you hear what was the main influence on that scene. I know uh, Matt um, Matt H will be happy when he finds it out, but I'll get to that later. Um, okay. So Luke heads over to Pops and we see all the little tributes outside. And I said to um, Tammy and Matt before, now um, I, I spoke to Lauren Weeks, who spoke about the set for, uh, for Pops and the fact that that is a fake wall outside Pops. And I find myself just like looking at it trying to spot the join and i can't see it it's like so well done um, mm. but i was kind of watching that scene doing that then we um uh get a delivery of like footballs gets interrupted by some gunmen uh who reveal that it's actually guns hidden underneath and not very well no just like kind of loose guns hidden under like one football i was kind of i hoping... thought it was go ahead oh. no go ahead i thought it was nice that the like a Assassin. They weren't assassins, but you know the the bad guys uh, <laughs> left their victims alive. Yeah, because it wasn't necessary to kill them. Yeah, but they easily could have. Domingo's a man of morals. Well, I approved. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those guys were. He, he's nice. He gives chocolate to his. Floor <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. Messy eater. <laughs> he, he gives them floor chocolate. Maybe those guys were both uh, Terminators and they're just taught to value life and they're just going for the kneecaps. Oh, maybe. Or well, they were, I, or they I were If you're going to intercept a shipment of guns and and shoot somebody to not shoot to kill, I think it's classy and I respect <laughs> it. I'm really hoping that those toys and those guns are made at the same manufacturer, like area, like big factory, and that they're both. Uh, branded I ain't seen shit toys. <laughs> maybe that manufacturer, maybe the toy manufacturer, like is responsible for this. It's like a, it's like a prize in every box of toys. Oh. You get a gun. You get a gun. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so this is when uh, we see Misty and Scarf are investigating, um, talking about it. I like they do their little um, when deciding who's going to drive. They do like their little almost like rock, paper, scissors, the shoot for it thing. 
I'd never seen that mm. before, but I thought it was cute. It gives it it kind of establishes that these guys have worked together a long time, which is obviously important for later when something Tammy predicted might be true. Did you say you've never seen rock paper scissors before? No, I've seen rock paper scissors. I've never seen this little shoot for it thing. Of course, I've seen rock paper scissors, man. <laughs> they don't do that in English. <laughs> no, we have. Uh, I, had I don't know what. <laughs> being bad but at the same time like as i was watching this episode because i was really trying to figure out like this episode i'm like all right let's see how he's written this episode and i was like leaning way more toward him just being an idiot (laughs) 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 until the end because his line during that uh scene man i hope i'm not stealing anyone's quote here was computers down like he couldn't do anything because the computer <laughs> tore it down. I'm like, you're a detective. That shouldn't stop you. <laughs> I just uh, nope. Computer's down. Oh well, because yeah. I just sit here and eat my tofu. <laughs> <laughs> so I was also leaning toward laziness and incompetence. Yep. Because uh. it felt too easy to make him corrupt. Yeah, yeah, it was very stereotypical, especially with the way he talks. He talks like a corrupt cop. Like everyone you've seen on TV and movies yeah. before, just he does. To be a douche, that's that would have been fine. But then they kind of, they nice kind of. Oh, sorry, Matt. Go on, go on. I just wanted him to have a nice working relationship with Misty Knight. Like we had that one <laughs> scene where they're where he's eating the food, and I was like, "That's nice. I want to see more of this." That is and nice. Now, and now, and now, I'm just any more scenes like this would be tainted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were trying to explain like his attitude, kind of his like nonchalantness if that's nonchalance that's the word at the job by you know when he's saying about the the superheroes and it's kind of and the vigilantes and being like you know we don't really nothing really we do makes a difference it's it's only these guys that can do stuff which i was like that's an interesting i think way of looking at it in terms of how misty and him both view vigilantes and therefore almost like the the whole job that they do the whole police um, and I, I kind of agree that I think it's easy to make him corrupt. Um, but it did, thought... it did surprise me. The, the way they, they had him in this episode, I, I kind of agree with Tammy that I was leaning more towards he's just this guy who just doesn't really care. And then all of a sudden he's like, ha ha, I'm evil. And I thought after the events of Daredevil, they like cleared out all the corrupt cops. Yeah, there's always going to be corrupt cops. Yeah. Talk- I guess. I there guess was corrupt cops in Jessica that. Jones and in, and in Daredevil season two. <laughs> yeah. The Blue Lives Matter, uh, Mel. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, God. She missed it. What? What did you say? No, no, no. I'm not saying it again. (laughs) (laughs) You hated saying it once. (laughs) Oh. I wonder if, um, like, they're ever going to team up, like, Misty and um, um, Brett Mahoney from Daredevil, because they're, like, the only two good cops in the whole of New York, apparently. Like, everyone else is corrupt or, or dead. Um... So in the next scene, Luke is looking at some caskets for Pop. And this kind of makes me, it made me mad the same way that whenever I watched um, Six Feet Under, it would make me mad. Why does someone need a golden mahogany coffin? What is the point? Like, mm-hmm. it's just taking advantage of, pe- of people in their grief. It annoys me, you know? Well, think about Egyptian pharaohs and how they were buried with all their possessions, including their slaves. You've you got to look good in the afterlife. you got to mm-hmm. make a good impression. <laughs> What? Because you because you arrive at the at the pearly gates in your coffin, and Saint Peter's With like, "Whoa, boss, looking just, looking uh, good there. Know, I like the I like the mahogany." <laughs> like, <laughs> if you got your wealth, you kind of flaunt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Stupid. I think it's dumb. Cardboard yeah. box. There you go. 
I, I, I think, I think everybody should just get recycled, just yeah. dumped in the ground. <laughs> Soylent green, people. <laughs> Mel is pro Soylent green. <laughs> I'm pro becoming a mushroom when I die. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to a body I, mushroom farm. <laughs> I want to go to one of the body farms. I'm like, I want them to like do forensic stuff. Like, I want to know that 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 has helped someone solve a crime in the future. I think that would be pretty cool. I want to be buried in in separate. Uh, my organs in separate jars, <laughs> and then scattered <laughs> across the world like a Easter egg hunt. Oh my god! Oh, that's a good idea. Ooh. <laughs> no, Matt, you should become like you know when they have all those jars of like pickled organs like in the back of the biology class. That should be you, <laughs> <laughs> and you could be the skeleton as well. <laughs> Does that mean, Matt, that like in uh, in uh, Egyptian, like ancient Egypt? They used to like have their cats put in little jars as well. Are you gonna have Roland put in a little jar next to you? Aww. Yep. Yep. Put in canopic jars. Oh, <laughs> little cat jars. Oh. Um. So I wonder mouth. if that's um, like a, just a TV stereotype of funeral uh, home directors if they're if they look down their noses at people who can't afford the nicer caskets. I have a feeling that in in reality, if you're in the funeral business. It's like a rule that when someone comes to you and they're low income, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, yeah, you don't disparage them. I bet. I think it's you like, would have to have much more empathy than this guy shows in real life to be a funeral director. Oh, I bet. I bet yeah. it, if it ever got back to another funeral home, that Bob over there at uh, you know Bob's funeral parlor is a real <laughs> asshole to people who don't have a lot of money. They, he's been pushing these fancy caskets on them and making them feel guilty when they can't. I bet they would blackball them and. Yeah. The industry. I like to think down. he would not be invited to the ball that year. <laughs> the funeral ball. <laughs> oh, I remember in Six Feet Under there was a funeral director convention. He wouldn't be allowed at that. <laughs> not at all. Nope. Stupid Bob. Um, so Cottonmouth arrives and he says that he's already paid for all the funeral arrangements and he kind of insults Luke. Um, and Cottonmouth's like flat out blaming Tone for um, uh, Pop's death, but Luke still blames Cottonmouth. Which is kind of right, yeah. Because although kind of it was kind of Tone's fault. Actually, like when I spoke to to um, Warner who plays Tone, he said that even though he's like a kind of two bit villain in the show, he puts all the motions of the show in action. And I was like, yeah, you know, if it wasn't for Tone, Tammy, I know you love him. None <laughs> yeah, of this would have happened. Mm-hmm. It feels though like Cottonmouth doesn't have much control over his cronies because no. you know, like he let the kids kind of make that mistake. And then mm-hmm. he let Tone... Like, he didn't tell Tone how much Pops meant to him. You yeah. Know? So Tone have known this, you know. So... He's think, not a good and, you know, <laughs> To me, it's like watching him with Zip this episode. I'm like, <laughs> Zip is the next Tone. Like, Zip wants to just, like, go off and kill everybody as well. Can I just say, yeah. I love Zip. <laughs> I love yeah, him. Yeah. He's fun. He is fun. I kind of wish we had shades in this episode as well, but he's not in it. Yeah, what's shades anyway? I don't know. He's chilling out somewhere, polishing his shades. Yeah. I don't know. Polishing. Took all episode to polish. Shades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I Luke, been, um, I haven't been impressed with him, but I, I did miss him. Oh. <laughs> you don't know what you've got till it's gone, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Luke arrives back at Pops and the shop has been completely destroyed and Bobby Fish is there oh, and he's kind of yeah. just sitting in there soaking up the memories and we find out that Pop and Bobby met playing chess but Bobby would always beat him. Okay, so yeah. were you guys looking at the whole set here? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed the 
bullet holes. Did anybody notice how the fridge was not touched? <laughs> no. no yeah. The fridge had zero bullet holes, and it was bullet holes sprayed everywhere. <laughs> the fridge was in perfect condition. How did this happen? Is this an armored fridge or something? <laughs> yeah, I to keep that soda in that water. Yeah, like, the soda water's in there. <laughs> Well, I had a couple notes about the set. Uh, the first is I was wondering if there were actual pork rinds in that pork rinds container. I doubt it. Because it's right it. on top of the vending. Okay. So it's right on top of the vending machine. And if you're trying to encourage people to use your vending machine, you don't put snacks within, free snacks within reach. <laughs> well, I should say that I did get confirmation from Lauren Weeks, um, which was a question from, from co-host Matt. Is there real alcohol in the bar sets? And the answer, Matt, is no. Because <laughs> it wouldn't oh. be there very long. <laughs> <laughs> so I was surprised. Maybe it was later when Luke goes into the barber shop, but mm-hmm. the the fact that they can get in there at all when it's still a crime scene is surprising to me. And you would think that everything of value would have been stolen out of that that building by well, if it was so easy to get inside. You take that gumball machine. And start mm-hmm. with, I would have thought that play, um, that. Like they were saying that um, once, I think Bobby said something like, once word gets out that Pop isn't there anymore, then the banks will kind of swoop in. So I think, as in, in terms of like the big banks and stuff, but the local sort of hoodlums who would might go in and steal stuff, I don't think they would because there is that respect for the place and for Pop still. That's kind of what I got from it. That was the line I hated the most in this episode. Soon as mm-hmm. the word spreads. It's on the fucking news. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's on the news. Like they <laughs> What do you mean? As soon as the word spreads, mm. everybody knows. It, it, the banks know. What? <laughs> it was really. I don't know. It was an unnecessary line, and it was really irritating and kind of went against everything they set up like three minutes beforehand. Mm-hmm. But what you don't know, Tammy, is that they in the next episode they uh, Luke and Bobby make the plan to dress Bobby up as as Pop and just have him walking around inside so it looks like he's he's come back. You see? The news has to retract their statements of yeah. Pop being Pop being dead. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's not dead. We saw him kind of pottering around, hiding his face. <laughs> is, it, is it like in Home Alone where Kevin sets up all yeah. the silhouettes in the window? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be amazing. I don't know what's wrong with Pops, but he just sort of dances around in a circle. Like, he's been doing it now for three hours. It's kind of weird. He's just dancing to rocking around the Christmas tree, and we don't know why. <laughs> um, so, uh, they need 80 grand to sort of keep Pops going. And Luke wants to um, hurt Cottonmouth by um, getting to his money through sort of the others around him. Um, then we go to the hospital where Chico is being interviewed by Misty and Scarf. Um, and they're encouraging him to testify, but he won't. And Scarf's kind of letting Misty lead the interrogation, which we sort of understand why now. And I bet Tammy was going, oh, he's so dumb. (laughs) He's so lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Look at him sitting there. (laughs) But I did, I I thought he had the right approach, though, by letting Mm -hmm. him go, like, taking that, um... Because he knew you would eventually either turn himself in or or prop, possibly lead him to uh, what was really happening. Yeah, he's totally jaded. He knows that he knows how the system works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Cottonmouth and Joel, the uh, the funeral director, not Bob. Joel uh, stand with Pop's body, and Tone's body is next to Pop's, and and Cottonmouth basically says, "Yeah, make this body vanish. Here's some money." 
uh, kind of a quick scene. Luke bumps into Misty in the hospital because he's there to visit Chico. And Luke's a bit of a sleaze to her. I was like, hmm. I kind of, I kind of enjoyed this scene, though. I enjoyed it yeah. as well, but he's yeah. a bit like, you want to come over later and... Mmm, handcuffs. And I was a bit like, I'm kind of I'm kind of repulsed and turned on right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was but it was pretty great though. Like it was hilarious, like because she was, you know, she was just like tell telling him what she thought of him and he was like, you know, like just giving it right back to her. It was yeah. pretty great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought about Tammy during this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course. I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke uh, goes to see Chico and he tells him that Cottonmouth isn't after him now um, and then I really like this little detail where Chico kind of blames Luke or he sort of says well maybe it's your yes. fault maybe the bullet that killed Pops bounced off of you and like I was like oh that's true because that could totally <laughs> be it I, I kind of like that they brought that up have we seen bullets bounce off him though or do they just fall to the ground I don't know I don't know, but I, I don't know. I, I like it. I, it's it's kind of that whole Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy thing, you know, maybe it was actually Peter Parker that killed her by accident, you know, like in, indirectly. I, I like that. Yeah. I think it makes it even more sad. Well, that one was for sure his fault. <laughs> but oh, yeah. um, uh, I, I did have a note about uh, the scene where the cops are visiting Chico that I forgot to bring up. Uh, okay. he, uh, Chico got sexually assaulted. Did he? <laughs> they, felt, they felt up his breast. <laughs> you should report them for it. I, I, I did have. Uh, that was really rude of <laughs> Misty to push up on him. So <laughs> <laughs> she cupped his boob. She did cup his his bruised boob. Oh, yeah. That would that would not be on if the the genders were switched. No. <laughs> um. Luke asks for Chico's help in, hunt, uh, in hurting Cottonmouth. And then this is when he finds out all about the Crispus Attic's vault, um, which is cool. And he finds out about Domingo robbing uh, Cottonmouth as well. So then, oh, actually, Tammy, you didn't uh, tell us anything about the, uh, the song that was for this episode, the Who's Gonna Take well, the Weight? I think we, uh, we jumped right into the episode, so... <laughs> oh, we did. Well, I was going to say, obviously, next is we have Charles Bradley playing, who I know you are looking yeah. into. So yeah. do you want to give us some little fun musical facts now? Sure. Okay, so for um, Who's Going to Take the Weight, uh, the little part that I picked up was Original Invincible. That's how I'm going to look at it. Uh, I used my rhymes like a Glock automatic, which to me, I was just like, well, or his strength, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, and if he means necessary, I'm going to, I'm going all out before the rain brings the nuclear fallout. So let me ask you, is it too late? I oh, who's going to take the weight? <laughs> I oh. You are so white. Except not, which is. No, you're like partially Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> so I go down that road. We've established I'm, Tammy is I the ethnic a host. Lot of <laughs> you, Tammy? I am a lot of things. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, it's just so, hilarious hearing you uh, say those lyrics. Yes. <laughs> because I'm not going to try and rap. Although I, I mean, if I really worked hard, I'm sure I could. But <laughs> really. Maybe that will um, be uh, your final episode for, the, yes. for this season. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, just go uh, for it, Tammy. Let, let's. Uh, <laughs> I know we don't do Tammy memories on this show, but let me tell you, back in the day when I used to actually listen to all of this, I for real wrote some raps. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, 
when I really thought I was down. Okay, so uh, let's, let's move okay, on. Okay, so listeners, uh, if vote, vote, if uh, come in, like write in if you want to hear Tammy rapping on the show, and if we get enough votes, then we will make Tammy do it. Fantastic. Um, okay, so uh, we had uh, Charles Bradley, who was the performer, uh, who his dancing was amazing. It I was. <laughs> he had this like twinkle toes movement, and I don't know, it was just great. I like uh, I like when he looked straight at the camera. It felt like that was like something he shouldn't have done, like while they were filming, yeah. like at the camera, and they're like, "Eh, we'll keep it." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't know anything about him, so I just, you know, researched him a little bit. Uh, um, he, sadly, was just diagnosed earlier this month with stomach cancer, Aww. which is sad. Uh, so they do have um, on, I think, Wikipedia, they have a link to, if you want to send him well wishes, there's a P.O. box, you can send him well wishes, which I thought was uh, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, one of the names he was called was Screaming Eagle of Soul. <laughs> so I like that. Um, after singing a little bit in his late teens and early twenties, he really didn't do much until 1996 where he was 48 years old and he became a James Brown impersonator called black velvet. I thought he he reminded me of James Brown. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Definitely had that vibe. And through doing that, he actually kind of got picked up and put his first record out at the age of 63 in 2011. Wow. There is a documentary out about him that I need to watch called Soul of America. Um, but yeah, so those were the kind of the fact, the fun facts that I picked up when I was researching him. I'm like, I just love the fact that he's like, he really didn't do or pursue his passion until later in life. And, mm. you know, has led to an amazing, you know, 15, 20 years. And yeah. Now, now he gets cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. Yeah. First a lot of people have shows you that it's not too late to pursue yeah. your passions, Tammy. Exactly. And, and record those raps. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm kicking you off this call, Matt. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's cool as well that a lot of people, like, I didn't know anything about him before this show, and a lot of people, like, really love this song and sort of picked up on it. I think this one's on the soundtrack as well. And nice. have like um, kind of explored like his other music as well. So it's kind of cool that he's getting um, not just him as well, but some of the other artists are getting like lots of recognition out of this and like he new played, fans. He played at a local music festival a few years ago, and I I was at that music festival, but I I ended up being in like the very back, so I didn't really get to see the show very well. But I know that people that saw it really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Yeah. He just seems like he has so much energy and just loves what he's yeah. doing, and mm-hmm. you can see it. It yeah. was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah I, awesome. g- I giggled so much during his performance with all of his <laughs> dance moves. Yeah. I, I was so- <laughs> and I love his jacket as well. I like that his James Brown name was Black Velvet, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best name. <laughs> Um, so while he's he's singing at the Harlem Paradise, Luke is hitting all the stash houses um, and ripping the safe open, but leaving the cash and then destroying the guns, which I love. Which I but that makes me think like, did Cottonmouth find out that like the guns were destroyed? Because is he like, oh, it's obviously Domingo. How did Domingo do that? Like, how would Domingo possibly like scrunch up at all these guns and things? Like, did he not think that's weird? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he didn't know about that. Uh, and then while investigating these, um, Misty and Scarf go and uh, question Tammy 
um, who <laughs> is asked uh, what um, about this guy in a hoodie, and Tammy says he was fine. Sorry if that's anyone's quote. I, I love that transition, though, where we see mm-hmm. Luke beating up all these people. We just focus on her for a sec, and then everything's over, and we've just got Misty and Scarf there. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, really cool transition. Yeah, I love it when they do they do stuff like that and they've used it on one location. It's just a really creative way of using that space and not do, just doing a cut. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, so Mariah and Cottonmouth are outside Crispus Attics um, discussing the security precautions. Um, and we find out that Luke actually hits four places. This felt a little bit rushed to me, like it's all of a sudden, all four places have been hit. But obviously they've got a lot to fit in this episode. And I guess we didn't really need to see that all of those places get hit because we have like the, the fight scene later. Um, but it just felt a bit sudden. It was a bit like, oh, oh, OK, you know. Mm. And I totally agree with Mariah as well when she's saying don't put your egg, all your eggs in one basket. I was like, yeah, it's, you don't do that. You know, when you're do, when you're running a crime empire like I do, um, you don't <laughs> put all your money in one place. I, I really love Mariah. In this yeah, scene. she's great. Yeah. Um, but I, di- I didn't understand how she didn't realize that Crispus Attics was like being used as the main hub of all, all the drop offs. So I was like, what do you mean you don't you, you weren't like aware? <laughs> but OK, Did she say she wasn't aware. She just said she because when he told her that, you know, everybody or she didn't know why they were um, putting in all the equipment in, in her building. And he said that's when he tells her that. Oh, because this place has been hit up. Yeah, all my other places have been hit up, like, four of them today. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't realize that that's why they're putting everything in the Christmas Attics building. And he has to explain to her, well, yeah, because, you know, there's all these vantage points that they can see from everywhere. So she really didn't. I think, like, she knew, yeah, they were leaving, using her building as, like, a drops area. But she didn't mm-hmm. know that it was the main place, the main point. And I just think that that's really bizarre. She didn't realize that. Well, she, she sort like of how um, much she doesn't yeah. know what's going on, and she doesn't want to know. Yeah, she also um, like is very, very um, adamant. You know that she wants to do everything legally. Um, yeah. But Cottonmouth just doesn't seem to believe her. So I wanted to know no. what you guys thought about this. Like, it's kind of an interesting. Um, relationship between the the two of these you know these these two characters because they just look at stuff so differently yeah but she also knows like she knows that he's doing things illegally and she still accepts his money do you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah a bad person she's like i don't want to know i don't want to know and i I feel like in a way that almost makes her worse than mm -hmm. him so do you think she's kind of in denial a bit she's being a bit naive for sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah only willfully and is she a racist (laughs) <laughs> she's talking about the real invaders. She's a racist, right? Well, she could be. I mean, it, it could be that, or she could be because she's saying about keeping Harlem black and everything. Or it could be she's talking about the real invaders, like you know, they talk about the incident. Like, Obviously, uh, New York has been invaded by aliens. You know. Yeah, I assume she was talking about gentrification. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I like that um, in Marvel. It could be both. You know, it's. No, it's kind of cool. I also like, because they talk a little bit more about Mama Mabel in this mm-hmm. scene and about what she did for the community and the way that Mariah viewed it is so different than the way Cottonmouth views it. And so they took their their two versions of Mama Mabel and just, like, lived their life, both based off of the same person and 
what they learned from their this one person, mm-hmm. but took it in in two separate directions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind really, of interesting. Really like the scene. I wonder yeah. if we'll ever find out more about Mama Mabel. Mm. Hmm. I would think so. It seems like she's. I mean, even if she's not a, around necessarily, like she still lives in both of these people mm-hmm. every in, day in different ways. About, yeah, they're like thinking about this person all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like this scene as well. Mm-hmm. It was during this scene where I looked something up online and and came across a casting spoiler. Ooh, <laughs> you can you can uh, tell me who later if you want that. Okay. Okay. We also find out the names of the other buildings that um, that Mariah is working on, which is the Madam C.J. Walker um, uh, building, who was the I had a quick uh, Google search, who was the first female self uh, first um, African-American female self-made millionaire in the United States. Um, Adam Clayton Powell, he was the first person, the first African American uh, to be elected from New York to Congress, and Shirley Chisholm was the first African American woman to be elected to Congress. That's quite cool. Wow. Yeah. So I wanted to do a bit more research into them. I only had a very quick look. Um, yeah. Uh, so Luke is watching Mariah from a distance um, and watching everything that's going on. Like a creeper. Like a <laughs> what a creeper. <laughs> He's watching you right now, Tammy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's more like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Uh, Scarf and Misty are discussing Chico, and this is the scene I think we were saying, uh, Matt, you were saying that you like, where it's just them kind of talking back and forth, being like partners. They're talking about basketball. I didn't understand a word about Celtics and Pistons. I was like, I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, sports talk. I don't get. Um, Did she go to like, race? They're from different cities. <laughs> Are they? I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> she she let a racist implication, but from him fly there. Did where, she? Where he's like, she he's like assumed that she only got with black men. Oh, oh yeah. But it was hard. But it was hard because she's a cop, and all black men are criminals. <laughs> yeah. 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 I oh, I missed that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot. I to heard the basketball that. talk and tuned in. <laughs> well, also, I mean, I should point out in the comics, Misty, the great love of Misty Knight's life is Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist, who is a rich white boy. So, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to happen in this. like in. I hope series. so. And then, I I mean, oh, also, another bit of news I should have said that I forgot to mention earlier. The shooting title for The Defenders has been revealed, and it's it's shooting under the name Group Therapy. Which makes me think, and and Warner uh, Warner Miller and I yesterday discussed it a bit because we were both saying what we would like to see in this series, and I said that I just want, you know, I don't really care what the story is. I just want really good character work. But now I kind of want, um, you know, like like Luke Cage and um, and uh, Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock kind of sitting around. And there's there's just like loads of stuff going on and Misty's there and it's all very awkward, you know, because Misty's with yeah. Danny Rand and she's slept with Luke Cage and all this kind of thing. And it's just kind of them just arguing back and forth. It'd be quite funny. I, I love to just have them in like the psychiatrist's office every, I know. every episode. Like uh, Gabriel Burns character from In Treatment can come back. And every <laughs> episode is just a different character in his office talking. It'll be so good. 
I would love that. <laughs> There's no fighting whatsoever. <laughs> no. It's oh. just like a hitchery. So good. I would love it. Yeah, it would be great. Uh, or maybe that's who Sigourney Weaver's playing is the psychiatrist, the mystery <laughs> villain. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, ninjas. <laughs> yes. she's a villain, so they're like actively like working against the psychiatry. They're like not cooperating, or <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all oh, Scientologists. Scientologist. They're taking psychology. <laughs> 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 all of the defenders are actually Scientologists. They're taking psychiatry down. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, so Scarf's teasing her about sleeping with Luke, and we also find out that Scarf eats tofu. I was like, Ugh. oh no, I, I don't, like, I don't like tofu. Tofu's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, you must not have had good tofu. Maybe I need to come to Canada. You guys can take me out for good tofu. Okay. Cool. I, mean, no, no, no. I know Canada has better tofu than anywhere else. <laughs> Canada's known for its tofu. <laughs> According to some people, the food in the States is way more amazing than the food in Canada. Really? Yeah. I, I haven't noticed. I yeah, Do they have apparently. poutine in America? No. Mm. No, you can't. I'm uh, just saying. They do not. <laughs> 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 they do have fake Canada in yeah. Epcot in Florida, so exactly. there is fake Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so. so next oh, is uh, Mel's favorite uh, scene in which Domingo goes and... Um, is very nicely gives Cottonmouth some candy. <laughs> Man, this guy's hair though. Holy. <laughs> yeah. I love Domingo. Like mullet, but not really. I don't know. So I love I love he's so tiny, but he like completely exudes power over Cottonmouth. I know. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to eat half my chocolate bar and, and drop it on the floor. Whatevs. I love it. I so love when he was saying so like the when he was saying the plover thing, because he was so small, I was like, he's got to be the bird. But then he's like, Aww. no, crocodile. Get in my mouth. <laughs> what were you going to say, Tammy? No, no I was just I saying, I just, I love him so much. Yeah, he's yeah. great. So great. The, the, it was just so ridiculous, the opening the tiny chocolate bars and throwing the wrapper. Bite the rest of the chocolate down. Is, I wonder if there must have been a Milky Way sponsorship, too. I and guess I was so. There was an L.L. Bean sponsorship with a casual mention. Yeah. yeah. They're guaranteed. <laughs> Money back guarantee. L.L. Bean and Milky Bar. Is it a Milky Bar or Milky Way? Milky Way? Milky Way. Yeah, Milky Bar's uh, white chocolate, isn't it? Well, it is in the U.K. No. I don't know. Uh, so, Domingo <laughs> meant... I was talking over Tammy there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. No, it's okay. I don't know. I was saying something, and I think I was talking over you. I I only remember saying that I love Domingo, but besides that, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> <laughs> so Domingo mentions that Diamondback is um, Cottonmouth's weapon supplier, and Cottonmouth seems surprised that Domingo knows that. So we've had a few mentions of Diamondback. Um, Shades it has been sent by Diamondback. Um, what do you guys think of Diamondback? Like, obviously, it's another snake reference, and the mention of Diamondback and Cottonmouth in the show immediately made me think of Kill Bill and like the the, the, the diva was it Deadly Assassination Viper Squad or whatever they're called. Um, we never we never see this guy, but he seems to be the big boss. So I'm gonna assume Diamondback is Thanos. <laughs> and he's called Diamondback because he wears a, a sparkly diamond jacket, <laughs> a diamanty jacket. I was going to say that David Carradine's going to come back from the dead. Oh, <laughs> oh. 
Um, I will point out a little um, thing I noticed in this scene that might link in with Diamondback. I'm not going to say if it does or not. But Zip, our new friend, is wearing a baseball cap that has a picture of a diamond on it. Mm. Mm. Uh, I will also say, by this point in the series, I was messaging one of our listeners, Rebecca, and we both had a theory as to who Diamondback was. But I'm not going to say if it was correct or incorrect. Hmm. So you do find it? Um, Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I see. You find out when Thanos turns up in the next episode, in his little in his little floaty chair. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um. So Luke is watching Christmas Attics and he sees Mariah leave, and then the headphones are in, the hoodies <gasps> up, and Luke brings the motherfucking ruckus. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Tammy was very excited at the song oh, choice of this scene. My God, that song started. And I jumped out of bed. I was so excited. I was like, what? And it was just the perfect match for this scene. It yeah. was so good. Yeah. And it's I've early, early Wu-Tang like Clan, isn't times. it? I just, what yeah. happened? It's early, oh, it's early Wu-Tang. Is it the first album? Yeah, it's the yeah. first album, yeah. Oh, so good. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, yeah, Bring the Ruckus, Wu-Tang Clan. I put up a little, I know you shared it on the Facebook group, but, like, this, it's a video of the um, song, but it's all in cartoons, and it's adorable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's off of their debut album, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, which is an amazing album. I like how... And there's... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, you, you weren't done. I was just going to say, there's, like, so much history with Wu-Tang Clan and, mm-hmm. like, all of its members and everything they did. So I didn't, I did not <laughs> write out a bunch of stuff about Wu-Tang Clan. I figure if you want to know, you could do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're amazing and just such a long history. And Kanye was not the first person to push somebody off of the stage during an award show and take the <laughs> mic. So, <laughs> just, wow. so it's amazing. I like how when you're going to assault a fortress, like, uh, blocking off your hearing, your sense of hearing with music would be the worst thing you should do, but when you're bulletproof, who the fuck cares? Exactly. (laughs) That's what I love. He's just like, well, I might as well have some good music while I do it. It's like going to the gym. (laughs) Yeah, it, like, gets him pumped. That's what I thought. I was like, it's like a workout. It gets him all pumped up. Yeah, and I I love this. My favorite this, um, bit in this scene oh, was the uh, was picking up the couch and swinging it around. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love the fact as well that they make that this. Um, in this scene, we've got Luke like making his way upstairs in the building, and obviously in Daredevil season two, we had that that big fight scene where Daredevil was working his way down the building, down the stairs, and I just love the difference in the two scenes because the one with Daredevil is all about speed and agility and luke is just like a tank he's just like mowing everyone down there's no real effort put in you don't have to show him out of breath because he doesn't need to exert himself and like you were saying um matt when he just picks up the guy like gently (laughs) into the ceiling like pretty much (laughs) and he crushes the car door around the guy i mean i love that yeah Yeah, when he like it's it's like he hugged him with the car door (laughs) yeah yeah that was exactly what I was thinking about when this scene was happening. I'd be like, "Oh, this would be so hard for Daredevil. I'm sure he would get it done, but he'd be he'd, he'd be, be in, a, in a rough shape by the end of it. He'd be yeah. ringing Claire Temple straight afterwards, going, oh, Claire.' Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, he'd have to turn out all the lights. <laughs> so yeah, we wouldn't see a lot of the scene, but yeah. Um, 
I also felt bad for the last guy who was just like shooting at him and practically crying because yeah. he just knew he was coming over to him. And he looked like this old man. I'm like, they just put yeah. an old man behind the We had the, the subtitles game. on we had the subtitles on and it said whimper. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the subtitles said whimper. Oh, <laughs> As man. Luke Cage got really close. <laughs> Also, I love how it. do these guys not realize or or think he's some kind of superhero or something? <laughs> and I love the moment as well where he stands in that room, like before the sofa bit, and he just does the bring it on, you know, motion. It's yep. so good. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. I, oh, that was my note. It said Luke, Luke says says bring it with his hands. All the fucking yes. <laughs> <laughs> Except nobody nobody was in the room when he did it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, bring it on. Maybe he was doing it to the music. He's like, more Wu-Tang, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Track two. (laughs) Um, A little detail I really enjoyed in this scene as well was the the set decoration. Um, Apparently as well, this scene took like 14 hours, I think, to shoot, I read. And I'll give more details on it later. Um, But I love the fact that it was yellow walls and then the door frames were like black and brown. And it kind of match the sort of Luke Cage color scheme with him wearing like the the black hoodie and the with the yellow inside it just felt like the whole place was an extension of him he had complete power over his surroundings you know there's nothing they could have done to stop him um and I kind of really like that that's just me being like a set decoration nerd and noticing stuff like this um and then when he got into the room that was Mariah's room that's the only time where it's red which is kind of it's like the 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 center of everything it's like the heart you know of the building i don't know it's probably been me being nerdy about set decoration nerd! i'm a nerd i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so luke finds all the money that's a lot of money and strolls off with his one little uh, little bag of it uh meanwhile scarf and misty are looking at the scene this is another good little transition and this is when Misty is zoned out and she realizes that it must be Luke Cage wanting to take the money off the street. So does she have like a power? Like, like every time she's done this, I'm just like, what? Like, I don't see how she like sees what's happening. But I guess we're just trying to show what a great detective she is. I yeah, I think that's no. just it. And she doesn't have like a power like that in the comics. Um, I will say yeah. in the comics, the only power she has is uh, a robot arm. <laughs> so, but it's pretty cool because it's gold. <laughs> it's like a gold robot arm. Um, and I really, really at some point hope she gets her robot arm and we get a scene of her and the Winter Soldier um, like arm wrestling with their robot arms because that would be adorable. How did she get a robot arm? <laughs> in the comic, her arm in some... In yeah. the comic, she's a police officer. She's... I haven't read the actual issue, but I believe it's that she's in an explosion. She loses her arm. And um, the robot arm, the bionic arm, is actually built for her by Tony Stark. And so she has that. And then after that, she stops being a cop. And her and Colleen Wing, um, who will be showing up in Iron Fist, open um, Daughters of the Dragon, which is like a private investigation um, place. You wouldn't call them vigilantes. No, yeah, they'd be vigilantes, wouldn't they? I guess. Well, they're sort of being private investigators, um, in they that license. term, they're like they're like Jessica Jones, but then they're also running around with robot arms and swords. So, um, yeah, kind of vigilante. Are they licensed? Come on. <laughs> That's my favorite question of the day. Are they licensed? <laughs> <laughs> it, has to be, it has to be the name of their basketball team too, Daughters of the Dragon. Yeah. 
<laughs> I am very, I, I just, I'm so excited that we have the two members of Daughters of the Dragon are going to be on screen. It blows my geek mind that yeah. this is something we're, we're actually getting, you know. I never I never even would have thought we would have like a Daredevil TV, TV series, you know, like a, a few years ago. And now we're having both both members of daughters of the dragon on screen we've got all these other amazing characters i'm just yeah i never even heard of them until their mini series about maybe 10 years ago almost like the, like in the first few pages misty knight uh breaks rhino's jaw nice. and i was like this looks interesting so <laughs> yeah it was only four issues but it was really cool maybe they'll Ooh. do a spin-off series of that that would be that something like they i enjoy i would love that mm-hmm yeah, I would love Misty and Colleen just running around being badasses. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is when they have the discussion about vigilantes. And, and then we also get a mention that Scarf saw the incident up close, the incident obviously being the end of the Avengers movie. Uh, and then we get a reference to Thor's hammer, magic hammer. Um, also, we learn that, you know, she, she, when she's trying to figure out and she's coming to the conclusion it's Luke Cage, she's mentions that nobody was killed. So he went in here, he took, you know, really didn't take anything, because I, I don't think they realized, like, how much money was there. But, he, you know, no, he didn't kill anybody, and he left everyone alive. How did these guys not accidentally shoot each other? Hmm. Well, also, if, if bullets can ping off Luke Cage, if this is the thing that can happen, yeah. How is, yeah, how is no one getting killed? And also, it's kind of the thing of, like, you know, Daredevil, he doesn't kill people, but when you're grabbing like someone like Luke Cage and slamming them into a ceiling, yeah. there's going to be some permanent damage there. You know, it's kind of like Matt Murdock being like, well, I didn't kill him. Yes, but you dropped a, uh, you know, a fire extinguisher on his head. That's not going to end well. You may wish you were dead after that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought like between themselves that they would have at, at least injured one other person with a gun because... They were just shooting everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I also weird. have a question about about the shooting in a minute, but well, I'll bring that up in a minute as well. Uh, so in the <laughs> next scene, um, Scarf and Chico, because um, Scarf has gone to get Chico because Chico wants to talk. They're talking burgers. Um, as soon as Chico mentions Luke's name, that's when Scarf starts to strangle him. Did you guys... As soon as he, like, I was, as soon when I was watching the scene, Scarf, like, is taking off his tie, and I was like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Like, it's just yeah. kind of giving me the creeps. Um, so I kind of got the feeling that something bad was going to happen, because arguably Misty is a much bigger character than Scarf. So the fact that this character's kind of gone off on his own little storyline with this kid didn't feel like it was going to end well. Um, but what did you guys think during this, this scene? I thought they had, like, just had sex or something. <laughs> I was like, why is he putting his clothes back on or taking his clothes off? What's happening? Yeah, you're like, mm-hmm, okay. And then he's having, <laughs> like, honest. a post-coital burger. I was very confused. <laughs> Ooh, um, this was, uh, once once Tone was gone, Chico became uh, the character that I was like, oh, just kill him off already. So I was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because once he started rambling, I was just, oh, I I just thought, well, I I think if I were Scarf, I would just wait till the second he mentions Luke's na- name, he kills him. And I was like, yeah, because he could not take that guy talking anymore. Mm, guys, Tammy's got a bloodlust. Everyone that Tammy hates I ends believe- up dead. 
I found it odd that he's just like, yeah, he did it so quickly. I was like, don't you want to learn all you can learn first? <laughs> but well, I, I I thought that as well because at the time I I kind of was like, well, he doesn't know where Luke is, but then it obviously makes sense in the next scene when he we now understand why earlier he was saying to Misty. So uh, when was it that you slept with him? You know, because by that point, he's obviously got this plan in motion. He needs to check the GPS on her phone um, for her phone, but he needs to know when it was. And it obviously she says it's like a couple of hours after of that night. So he knows exactly when to look for where she was and knows Luke's location. So it makes sense. Do you guys think he would kill Misty if he was asked, like, without hesitation, or does he actually care for yeah. her partner? No. No. I think it would kill her. Mm. Um, Damn you, Scott. I'm not I saying liked... anything. <laughs> <laughs> I liked you when you were lazy and incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, the, he just, he was using Misty this whole time. That's why I don't think he would hesitate to kill her. Because mm-hmm. he, I think he knew that it was Luke, or he thought based on what Misty was saying that yeah. it was Luke. And this was the only reason he waited for Chico to say it was just a confirmation and that yeah. was it. Well, you would so have to because, you know, like yeah, otherwise he is really ridiculously dumb. So I, I agree that, you know, he's just he just plays dumb, plays it by ear, and then, yeah, he just needed that confirmation, him to say that name and then he doesn't need Chico anymore. I guess. Oh, Mel, Mel's gone to answer the door but she did have a question about uh has it been mentioned did luke cage ever say what it feels like when he gets shot does he feel anything or is it completely doesn't hurt um it they haven't said it in the show but there was that interview with mike coulter i think i mentioned in episode one where someone asked him how how, how you kind it. of decide how he plays it yeah and he said that like the being um shot in the hand would have felt like a sting um i know i've heard an interview i think with him like he was saying like when he's walking down the you know the corridor and there's all the bullets going off on him obviously it's little squibs in his um in his top and he said it's kind of quite hard sometimes to play that you know like not blinking or anything not reacting because even though it doesn't really hurt it is kind of like a little like you know you can obviously feel it and stuff but i would take that to mean that he doesn't feel it at all usually or if you know he d- it doesn't hurt. You know, he feels it, but it doesn't hurt. Okay. Um, but the one, because it was so up close in his hand, that was kind of more like, it didn't really hurt at all. It was more like an annoyance. Yeah. Yeah. So are we talking about, are we talking, sorry, I was gone for a minute. Are we talking about uh, Luke Cage himself or the actor Mike Coulter? Uh, that's him saying how he plays it. I don't know in terms of the character at all, like if it's if it's been addressed in the comics. I'm sure it has. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. More about the character, I guess. Yeah, we need uh, listener Rebecca um, and uh, listeners Rebecca and JD who have read a lot of Luke Cage lately to tell us this, because <laughs> I have not had time to read all of Luke Cage, unfortunately. I would like to know though if it's ever addressed in the comics. Um, so Cottonmouth is losing it. Uh, he's had seven million dollars stolen, and he's mm-hmm. arguing with Mariah. And at one point. She loses her temper with him and throws something at him. Yep. And he was going to hit her with a baseball bat. I <laughs> <Yeah>. know! <laughs> and it's because he calls her Black Mariah. And um, as I mentioned previously about her character, that's where the character, that's the character's name in the comics. That's like her sort of villainous name, I guess. But we get from this that there's some kind of history to that name. Because she's like, don't you ever call me that. So, you know, I don't know if we'll ever find out what where that name came from. Or do I? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
Sneaky, sneaky. I'm so sneaky. <laughs> this is when Scarf arrives and tells uh, Cottonmouth all about Luke, and he's got Misty's GPS and Luke's address and everything. And then Luke arrives at Pops with sorry, the money. Sorry, oh, I must stop you. Sorry? My favorite part of that whole scene was when that guy, the the new crony, comes in and he's like, <laughs> You mean Zip? <laughs> yeah, Zip. Tone, tone number two. Tone number two. He was so scared of him. He laughed so hard. I would not want to come between Mariah and Cottonmouth. Like, no way. <laughs> now I'm just picturing like a cutaway and then like the Uncle Phil throwing jazz out, except it's oh this God. guy going over the balcony of the club. <laughs> oh, but time for tone three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Every dear. episode, he needs a new tone. He needs to throw someone off something. And then all the tones can start their own band called Tone 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 instead of Tony Tony Tony. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, so Bobby Fish is chilling out at, at Pops, um, and Luke brings him the money. And this is my question, okay? Luke goes out the back. He's got all the the bullet holes in his hoodie. He goes out the back, he takes the hoodie off, he comes back, he's got no bullet holes in his trousers or in his shirt that's under his hoodie. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> are they different Are they different shirt and pants? No, it's because he literally goes out, takes the hoodie off. I don't think there's enough time for him to change his shirt and his pants. Hmm. So I was like, is his shirt made of, like, is it that shirt that Frodo wears in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> you know, like his little mithril <laughs> chainmail shirt? Like, what's happening? <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, I was I'd like, I'd be okay with Luke Cage wearing chainmail. <laughs> You'd be okay with Luke Cage having lots of holes in his shirt as well. I'm guessing. Yeah, that's that. right. Yeah. I, wear, I wear redundant chainmail. What are you going to do? So, uh, <laughs> but he um, wears it over his clothes so his clothes don't get pulled off. Yeah. <laughs> clothes are clothes are expensive. That's what I was thinking when he ripped the car door off the the car. I was like, he's just trying to protect his hoodie, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's a... You're reminding me of saying this coming up later in the series. Um, so they decide they're going to reopen Pops. And they talk about Pops had a gold leaf window. I was like, well, Pops was fancy. Mm. That stuff's not cheap. That fancy casket after yeah, maybe all. Yeah, brilliant. Maybe he wanted, like, an embossed Pops on his casket. Oh. <laughs> they have to hand do it in gold leaf. So they never figured out who's going to cut hair here. Uh, I want it to be yeah. I, I want Luke Cage to wear the hat and cut the hair, yeah. Yeah. I think it, a hat would look really good on him. Mm. They can't even get, like, Chico back to do the haircutting now, because obviously he was, like, the little apprentice, because yeah. he's gone. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, Luke will just be like, oh, I don't know. Just everyone gets uh, shaves, you know, the clippers. customer could be. Because I've seen... Uh, I've seen set photos from Iron Fist, it should be Danny. It should like, definitely yeah, be him, Danny give Rand. A, give him a haircut. <laughs> With his little golden labradoodle beard that he has. <laughs> he looks like a hobo right now. <laughs> he's a he's a human golden labradoodle. <laughs> he really is in the way he looks in that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, in the next scene, in the last scene, Luke is eating in Connie's and she joins him and then he gives her a wad of money. And then we realise, we get like some more Kill Bill-esque music. I love it. Yeah. Like, I love it so much. Oh, and then man. Cottonmouth is on the rooftop. And it's whenever there is a scene in a comic book movie in which someone whips out a rocket launcher, I am happy. I am a happy person. My favourite, as I've said, comic book scene of all time. 
uh, is from Punisher Warzone, in which the Punisher blows up the parkour guy in midair with a rocket launcher. It feels real joy. Uh, so Cottonmouth fires, uh, Luke sees it coming, shouts Sweet Sister, and the uh, and Genghis Connie's blows up. What and did you guys think? Because Matt, Matt, you actually messaged me, didn't you? <laughs> like, did you message me? me about the end of the episode? No, Matt. Eh? Okay. No. Oh, someone did. I think I did for episode two. I think I oh. messaged you and I said I was very upset because Pop, Pops was killed. Oh, that was it, yeah. I know someone messaged me and they were like, uh, end of episode three, what the hell? <laughs> it's the rocket launcher that really does it. <laughs> it's so I good. Wonder, does he know that he's bulletproof or did he just want to overkill this? Um, I think he just wanted to overkill it because the thing is, <laughs> if Scarf had left, let Chico live for a little while longer... Chico might have actually said, you know, Luke Cage, because he was going to say everything. And he might have actually said that Luke is kind of bulletproof because Chico knows that. Yeah. And then Scarf could have told Cottonmouth. So presumably Cottonmouth thinks that Luke's dead. At first, I thought, you know, when he said he wanted to take care of this personally, I thought we were going to get a scene where he goes and like busts into Luke's apartment and tries to murder him and finds out that he can't. And I was very excited for that. (laughs) uh, and the time on the episode you was were. running out, and I was like, oh, we won't see it till next time. And then this happened, I was like, it's not what I wanted, but it's just as good. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what like I was expecting. Everything you predicted, Matt, you were like, this is going to happen. It happened, and then you were like, this is going to happen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I, there's no way to predict this one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I love the music behind the rocket, so rocket launcher scene. It was hysterical, and like... Cottonmouth's eyes were so wide, like I saw him and and Genghis Khani like hugging. I was like, oh, did, did he think he caught them like in a moment? Like, <laughs> and, he was and, like um, a kid in a candy store. Say goodbye <laughs> to your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I know like verbally, no one said Luke Cage is invincible. He can't be killed with a bullet. But they had to have known that, right? Because all of his guys, like every single one of them. He just mm-hmm. assumed they were all incompetent. Yeah. Oh, yes. They were all well, yeah, thing. It's yeah. like a couple of them are already incompetent and are screwing him over, and then why not the rest of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I loved it, that ending, though. It was fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> so Luke Cage, Luke Cage is going to come out of this rubble naked, right? Yeah, the uh, the explosion burnt his clothes away from his body. Yes, I need to watch this thing next immediately. It's like that third X Men movie, The Last Stand, where Wolverine is facing the Dark Phoenix, and she can make matter disappear, but she's like making his clothes disappear and his skin, but only on his top half because Fox is like, no, we can't have Hugh Jackman naked in this film, so uh, she's only dissolving his top half clothes. Oh, so dumb. Very expensive to have people naked on movie in movies, you know. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, there's still time. Just saying, you know, for naked Luke Cage. Stay patient, Tammy. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> is his um, hair impervious? Like, is his facial yeah, hair impervious? Yeah, he should have no eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. You'll very soon find out if his hair is impervious. That's all I'm saying. Like very soon, guys. Alopecia. <laughs> you will you will find out in a very uh, in amusing ways. I'm looking forward to it. But that would be funny because he'd be like. 
trying to look all badass, but he's, you know, got no eyebrows. He'd have to draw them on. He's like, I lost them. (laughs) You look like Keanu Reeves when he just woke up from the Matrix. (laughs) You could draw them on at, like, a a quirky angle, so he looks quizzical. Like, he he gets the black marker out and is, like, drawing them on before he goes into battle. (laughs) (laughs) You have to do angry eyebrows, you know? He erases his eyebrows and his emotions. <laughs> or they're just felt and he can, like, <laughs> move them around. Muppet eyebrows? Yes. He's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I've got to sort out my eyebrows. I'm angry. <laughs> I want to see a Muppet Luke Cage now. <laughs> oh, it'd be so cute. <laughs> the Muppet Defenders. Well, I did I did draw Foggy and Matt Murdock as Kermit and Fozzie. Um, but so maybe I'll draw you a little Muppet Luke Cage at some point, Mel. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remembered last week, guys, uh, well, I remembered, uh, not last week, uh, because last week I forgot to give you guys any Easter eggs. So I was like, oh, they must have been so hungry all this week. That's why I left unsatisfied. Yeah, you were like, (laughs) (laughs) you were like, this, this episode sucked. I mean, where, where were my Easter eggs? Um, there wasn't really any interesting from last week, though, so it was stuff like Luke said last week that he's from Savannah. Um, this might be a cover story because in the comic book uh, books he was born and raised in Harlem, um, but, uh, you know, it, we might find out more about that later. But, yeah, in the comic books he's from Harlem, not from Savannah. Um, and the other one was there was a mention last week of Chester Himes, the author of the Harlem Detective series of novels, Um and according to someone on Den of Geek, uh, the character of Chester Himes was one of the authors that Luke Cage co-creator Archie Goodwin read when he was first putting the character together. So that's quite cool. And the most famous movie based on the uh, detective series of novels is probably 1991's movie A Rage in Harlem. So those are some late Easter eggs for you. I have some from this week as well. OK. Don't want you guys going hungry. Yes. Okay, so the scene in which Luke rips the car door off the car and holds it in front of him is reminiscent of when that moment happened in Jessica Jones as well during the fight scene between uh, Jessica and Luke. And also in the first Captain America movie where Cap ripped the door off a a cab and held it in front of him um, as a sort of nod to his shield later on. So they like people having ripping car doors off things at Marvel. Um the Wu-Tang Clan, so- Clan song, Clang? Wu-Tang Clan. The Wu-Tang Clan song is a slightly sanitized version because they have removed the word fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, I know. <laughs> they would have had to put money in the network storage jar. They would have. <laughs> so maybe that's why they had sweet, you know, sweet sister. Because otherwise Luke would have been like, if I saw a rocket launch coming towards me, I would have been like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the bullet-riddled hoodie, once again, is kind of a nod to Trayvon Martin. We'll definitely see that coming up later on in this series in a big way. In an episode that I'm so excited for Tammy to see, I'm kind of bouncing up and down in my chair thinking about it. Oh, so exciting. And something that will make uh, make Matt H very happy is that the big influence on the fight scene um, where... Luke is going through the um, the Christmas attics. The big influence on that was the scene in Terminator in which Arnold Schwarzenegger enters the police station. Oh. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. I thought you would like that. 
So those are your Easter eggs. Are you nice and full? Yeah. Rubbing your bellies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I dropped my Easter eggs on the floor in a very taunting fashion. Oh. <laughs> did they like did they like shatter in slow motion? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah Are you gotcha. littering as well? <laughs> Just throwing all the crap on the floor. <laughs> um now We can do about it. We can do about it, my crocodile. We can do Bring it on. I'll go on, on the floor. Oh, I'm going to start saying that if people, like, you know, are annoyed at me. I'm just going to go, I'm a crocodile. I'm a crocodile. You're not. You're a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> and then throw a milky bar at them. Or a milky way, I should say. Oh, Right. Now it's time for quotes. Matt, you are our special guest. Do you have any quotes you would like to, to say? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's uh, your plover on a crocodile. <laughs> a quote that can be used in everyday life. Uh, can't wait to use it. Can't wait to be a schmuck and then uh, justify it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love Domingo. Uh, I have one, which is from Scarf, after he lets Chico go, which is, Chico is the man. Oh, I love that. Oh, I wanted to punch him in the face with that line. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Tammy, go. Uh, it's like a beehive of misery. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about, um, uh, I don't know, my workplace. <laughs> yeah. Any others, guys? Matt and Mel, you're the same person, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going? Check these fools. Yeah, I got that one as well. You need one, Mel? Scarf. Who oh. cares? <laughs> <laughs> I have one from Connie, which is when Luke gives her the money. The food wasn't that good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a zip quote because I wish I was too, like, I'm just, like, way too old to say this. So now I can do it in quote form. Uh, So what's (laughs) popping? I think you should try it, Tammy. Try it. I, I, like, so want it. Like, when he said that, I was like, that's the best thing to say ever. (laughs) What's (laughs) popping? To go around telling people, what's poppin'? <laughs> I have a random quote. I'm not going to do the whole quote, but there's a bit where they're talking about, um, Chico and Luke are talking about Christmas attics, and Chico describes it as concrete walls, cats with machine guns. And of course, I just imagined actual cats with machine guns. <laughs> I was like, oh, adorable. <laughs> but cats have no thumbs. How are they going to pull the triggers? Oh, how are they going to hold them? Yeah. Any other quotes, guys? Hey, watch the Tofu Supreme! Supreme. <laughs> 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 I yeah, like I I don't think I've ever had a Tofu Supreme. I don't know, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, right? It's what would that what would that be? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it would be like noodles and full of vegetables and like delicious yeah. crispy tofu. Mm. Yeah. yeah, crispy tofu, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well crispy tofu <laughs> sounds nice. You're, you're, you're Getting me on board a bit more now. Mm. <laughs> um, Would it be like well, the, the Nacho Supreme at Taco Bell and have like sour cream on it? <laughs> no. <laughs> sour, sour cream on Chinese food? Weird. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. It's a weird yeah, mix. Uh, I got oh, one I, more oh. quote, which is, uh, did you see the guy that attacked you? Man, I ain't seen shit. I really need that trademark. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I had a... When Luke is in the um, funeral parlor, can I see the body? He sounded way too excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was very creepy to me. I was like, "What? 
can't, what? <laughs> no, and the guy's like, no, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he gave him that look. Like, mm, no. <laughs> so. That's how he mourns. <laughs> he was gonna like hold Pop's body and cry, and then shake his fist at the sky and be like, "Damn you, Cottonmouth!" <laughs> uh, right now it is time for feedback, and we only have one this week, which is sad. But what makes me happy is it's. For something for Mel to read because it's from our old pal Sedna. <laughs> we love Sedna. <laughs> so I put it in Skype for you. Okay. Luke's get, getting some dull but essential financial info from Bobby Fish. <laughs> Yay, Keeper. And Chico, luckily Dante, told him everything. <laughs> so they get to the box <laughs> and hit Cottonmouth in the wallet, kicking some serious arse in the process. Yeah. Best line of the season so far? He was fun. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, yes. Poor zonked out girl. True debt. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the motherfucking ruckus! <laughs> Luke powers through that building for another amazing hallway stairwell fight like a proper badass bulletproof bulldozer. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Favorite move. Pick up a dude one-handed, slam him into the ceiling, and let him drop. <laughs> yeah. It's everybody's favorite move. <laughs> Favorite defensive weapon, sofa, closely followed by a car door. Bring it on! Bring it on! <laughs> and there we have it. Just as Chico's decided to do the right thing, we find out Scarf's just not just an asshole, he's bent. Oh, fuckity fuck. What Ka-ching. does this mean? Yay! Yeah, swear jar. Said nah. Swear jar. <laughs> um, <laughs> what does this mean for Misty? And now he's given up Luke's address. Oh, Here's Cottonmouth with a fucking ching bazooka. <laughs> Bye for now. From your not much friend as your very own annoying kid from down the road who wants to get with the cool kids with you. <laughs> trying to make them laugh. This is Sedna. <laughs> we love you, Sedna. You're you're one of the cool kids. Because <laughs> obviously we're all so cool, guys. We're so cool. <laughs> Thank you, Sedna. Thank you for the feedback. That's great. Right, so now it is time to score this episode. So, Matt A., as our very special guest, I'm going to go to you first. Oh, boy. Um, and you you weren't sure about this episode, you were saying? No, I didn't like it very much. I didn't feel like a lot happened, because I was counting, like, every ten minutes I'd check in and I'd say, did anything happen? Not really. No, take a point off. I feel like more happened in this episode than the past two. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> mm. There's. I didn't. I didn't feel like a lot happened. I, I enjoyed the the fight scene with Luke. And not enough Luke Cage and Luke Cage is how I feel right now. I really want him to be in the episode more often, and so far he's not. Although I do like Misty a lot, but I can take or leave Cottonmouth and Alfred Woodard's character. Mm, okay. Mm, yeah. I'm what about really... everyone's favorite Zip? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Who's the one who wears know. the little baseball cap? I, I don't know all of the... Uh, he's the new Toad. Number two. Yeah, I barely remember the old Toad. <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't help. Uh, I really like the scene with uh, the, the little greasy-haired guy. I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, 
Oh, here's one of my notes. Cottonmouth drinks Voss water. I don't know why I thought that was necessary to, <laughs> to write down. <laughs> uh, I, I squeed when the guy was lifted into the ceiling. That was funny. Um, overall, I was kind of a little restless with this one. I wanted more more action, more more plot development. So I'm going to give it um, a five and a half out of ten uh, unreleased rap albums by Tammy. Uh, what number was that, sorry? Five and a half? Sorry, it was a five and a half. Okay. Tammy, you have a lot of material that you yeah. just haven't shared with the world. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy, share your passion. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Maybe I'll wait till I'm 60-something. Okay, let's go to Matt 2, Matt H. <laughs> of course you're Matt number you. one, Matt. <laughs> um... I really like this episode. There wasn't much I didn't like about it. The only thing I didn't like about it was that uh, it had the stereotypical dirty cop thing mm-hmm. that I saw coming. Um, you saw almost everything coming this episode. Yeah. But, you called like almost everything that was going to happen. That was you were the like, only, this is going to happen. I was like, how? How do you know this? That was the only happen? thing that bugged me that I was right about, though. Yeah. So I'll give it a 9 out of 10 cops feeling you up. Mm. <laughs> cops <laughs> cop, in a, cop in a feel. <laughs> Caught a feel, yeah. <laughs> uh, Melanie. Hey. Um, well, I enjoyed this episode, too, although I still have a hard time following this show, and I don't know, I'm not sure, like, if it's, like, I have a hard time following, like, uh, the lingo, because at one point, uh, like, when Chico was, like, what did he say? He's, like, I want you to pick up. Mm. I want mm-hmm. you to no, no, he said Chico needs a pickup. Chico needs a pickup. And then I was like, oh, he needs food. And then, then the next scene, he brought him food. And I was like, that's totally what it means, right, Matt? Matt's like, no, he needs protection. <laughs> I was like, no, he needs, he, want, he wanted you food. Can't, you can't just call the cops and say, hey, can you pick this? <laughs> 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 like, he got takeout from the cop. I don't know. Aww. I don't know. He's got no friends right now. He needs a pickup. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused, but... I did like I thought the uh duality between like um uh uh Mariah's character and Luke, like they're kind of doing the same thing right now where they're like taking money from sources that they probably shouldn't be. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting, like the differences, but they're still doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was a uh, good and uh yeah, I don't know. I just it was it still has some interesting elements to this episode. So uh I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten armored fridges. <laughs> <laughs> um Tammy. Uh yeah, I liked a lot of this episode, but actually I I agree with Matt A that I didn't I don't know how much the story itself moved along because I feel mm-hmm. like this was just the result of everything that was set up last episode, so I'm ready to move on to, okay, now that he's taken the money from um, Cottonmouth to use for Pop's place, and he's going to survive, obviously, this blowing up at Genghis Khani's, like, how is Cottonmouth going to react to this? I'm like, I'm ready to to get to the next episode already. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that fight scene with Wu-Tang Clan, come on now. That was like, <laughs> that was amazing. It was so good. Um, it was very exciting. And, the scene between Misty and Luke this episode was really good, so um, so I cannot go as low as Matt did 
because <laughs> uh, I did like so much. I did like so much about it, but I I also I didn't feel that things were moving. I guess as forward as I thought they could have or should have. Um, but we got a lot of fun scenes, so I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Um, Misty Knight handcuffs. Mm, mm. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> and I yeah I I kind of. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with what you were uh, saying. Oh, what are you sending me, Matt? Crafter. <laughs> Secret messages from Matt. Stop Ooh. distracting her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, um, I think the episode is stronger in its parts than as a whole, um, because I there's lots of little parts of the episode I really like. The Wu Tang Clan fight is amazing. I love the scene with Domingo. Um, I like some of the little stuff with Misty and Scarf. Um, there's a lot of like little moments I like. Overall, I feel like, yeah, not much kind of happens. Um, but I I enjoyed it. I like the scene as well with Cottonmouth and Mariah. I thought that was cool. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know. I enjoyed it, though. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, Luke Cage wearing... Hobbit vests or yeah. something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and that gives us an average of wait while it calculates. Um, seven point five. So I was spot on. Yay! <laughs> so seven point five out of ten. That's cool. So we're still enjoying it. Um, I just want to point out. I've been having. I had a look at our Luke Cage bingo. And we've only got one from this week, which we'd already actually had, which was Avengers reference. So, yeah, we almost got a sweet Christmas, but not quite. So, come on, we need uh, some of these things happening soon, like Stanley appearing and Melvin Potter appearing and stuff, or a DMX song. Get on it, Luke Cage. Right, so now I am going to hand over to our lovely guest Matt again and say thank you very much, sir, for coming on the the episode. And where can oh. people find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, they may not want to hear more from me because I gave the episode such a score. <laughs> yeah, they're like, screw this guy. Ugh. Yeah, asshole. Um, you can <laughs> find me on Hooplecast that I host w- uh, with my co-host Matt and Mel, who are on this podcast. It's a podcast about the television series Deadwood. If we just added a new episode to the feed where it's the three of us, Nutty and Carol, reading Deadwood fan fiction. Nice. And uh, we're going to start next month, I hope, covering some HBO pilots. We're going to start with Philip Amarlo and Maximum Security, then move through Tales from the Crypt and Life Stories, then Oz, The Sopranos, Six Feet Under, all the HBO drama pilots. We're going to be covering the second phase of Hooplecast. Yes, Carnival, of course. Yay! Awesome. Uh, I'm also doing a, a gaming podcast with Matt called Matt is Wrong About Games. I have to publish the episode he just sent me. And I'm going to, in a couple of minutes, record Spartacast with Will. That's about Spartacus. Awesome. So, uh, lovely co-host, do you have anything to uh, plug this week? Actually, I'm going to say, Matt and Mel, um, you were saying you were going to do an episode of Twin Peaks podcast on the new Twin Peaks book, which I haven't got my copy yet. But um, do you know when that's coming out? As in the the episode of your podcast, not the book? (laughs) Two or three weeks, I would imagine. Uh, well, we all need time to read it. We all go at different Ooh, speeds. It's nice. a big book. It's like 300 some pages, I think. Yeah, I've heard some spoilers from it. I haven't just haven't got my copy yet. Mm. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Cool. 
And book is out isn't it too it's gonna be i don't know if it's out yeah i should know but you guys need to get that as well so you can do lots of twin peaks recipes and rate them on the podcast <laughs> so how did she get her recipes did she make them up herself or i think so that's awesome i don't know <laughs> i don't know the answers <laughs> i'm wondering maybe you knew no i know nothing <laughs> there isn't luke cage or x-files related at the moment that's huh. what i do <laughs> um uh, cool, okay, and I should say as well, um, obviously you can hear me and Tammy still on Intro yep. to X for four more weeks, Harry, <laughs> four more oh, weeks for, of for talking now. about yeah. the X-Files, <laughs> uh, and then we will be doing a very exciting new podcast once that has finished, which has um, a very cool title that I will not say because <laughs> <laughs> it amuses me, and I think we'll wait until like it's all up and running and everything. But look out for that in the near future. Um, so with that, it's time to predict what's going to happen in next week's episode. And the title of that one, again, is another song by Gangstar, as they all are. And it is Step in the Arena. Sounds like a Spartacus crossover. Mm. <laughs> Luke Cage wrestles Crixus. I'd watch that. Now they get thrown back in time to ancient Rome. Mm -hmm. And they fight in the Colosseum. Yeah, absolutely. Who would win? I think Luke would win. <laughs> and who's it the guy? Who's the, the 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 guy who owns all the gladiators? Is, is it Batiatis? Uh, John Hanna. Yeah, John Hanna. Yeah, so John Hanna is like, oh, Luke Cage, you can be my number one guy. You know, like Joker is like, you are my number one guy, and Luke Cage yeah. becomes head gladiator. And then they have an orgy. Yeah. <laughs> because it's Spartacus. <laughs> so what happens to Spartacus every week, pretty much? Awesome. I don't think we have anything to add to that. You've pretty much guessed it. Um, as I teased earlier, though, um, be prepared for answers about Luke Cage's hair very soon, guys. And I'm sure you will enjoy it. <laughs> uh, with that, I'm going to hand over to our guest, Matt, to say an Excelsior, 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 not an Excelsior, or whatever you would like, Matt, whatever you would like. Excelsius uh, sounds like the name of somebody who would be on uh, Spartacast. <laughs> it does. <laughs> or a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> Spartacus versus Excelsius. <laughs> I'll do all the sign-offs. I'll do, um, I'll say, Excelsior, sweet Christmas. Fuck you. <laughs> Stay sexy and don't get murdered. Yay. <laughs> Elvis, cookie? Elvis. Cookie? Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported international license that means you can share it you can send it to your friends you just can't make any money off of it you can't change it and you have to link back to us and our site excelsior